one thing is for sure there are companies who have been attacked and companies who don't know they've been attacked that's the reality of the situation and i think it's a question of accepting the reality that that you are exposed it's only a question of time so when it does really happen how do i bounce back faster and as you said you know keep the engine running Welcome to the Reimagining Cyber Podcast, where we share short and to the point perspectives on the cyber landscape. It's all about engaging yet casual conversations on what organizations are doing to reimagine their cyber programs while ensuring their business objectives are top priority. With my co-host, Stan Wisseman, Head of Security Strategist, I'm Rob Borrego, Chief Security Strategist, and this is Reimagining Cyber. Stan, who do we have joining us? Rob, today our guest is Arvind Shehardri. Arvind is responsible for the security line of business at Cognizant and has over 20 years of experience working with global organizations driving the security strategy. And he has worked both for WePro as well as HP in a similar capacity. Arvind, it's great to have you here. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more of your background with our listeners today. Yeah, thanks, Stan. Uh, happy to be here with you and Rob. Uh, I head the service strategy offerings and partnerships function for the Cognizant security practice globally. Uh, in my role, I help define the vision for the offerings for the company uh, in terms of the security practice and what we deliver to customers uh, by delivering value through our products and services. Uh, given the numbers of different companies that you work with and uh, you're seeing some trends as, as far as some of the things they're focused on, um, are there specific things that you're seeing a lot of your customers like um, aligning their priorities to? Yes, and I think uh, we've all seen uh, you know digital adoption grow in a significant way. Uh, you know, many years ago, Cognizant was the first company to start tracking digital revenues. Uh, we used to call them Smack at that point in time. That was the industry parlance at that point in time as well, which is about social. Uh, you know, analytics and cloud and things like that. What we're seeing now, especially post the pandemic, uh, we're seeing what we call as the new normal. And I think in the new normal, the adoption has definitely increased significantly. But more than the adoption, it's also about what they're adopting, which has changed. Uh, significantly, if I have to point out two things, one is the adoption of PaaS, which is platform as a service, uh, the area of infrastructure as a service kind of has matured and, and, and plateaued as well. And even the likes of the cloud service providers, be it AWS or Azure or Google, are all moving towards the past storyline. And the customers are also adopting to that. Second significant adoption change that we have seen is the end user experience. You know, with the new normal happening and, and work from home being a reality, uh, at least most of the organizations are going to have 50% uh, work from home. It's a hybrid workforce strategy that they're going to have. The user experience and connectivity becomes a significant portion of the IT investment for the company because the data is going to be with the end user. They could be using their own devices. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen enough of BYOD and CYOD in the market, but I think this is a real challenge and doing it in real time. You mentioned the, uh, the the transformation of the workforce, right? And my my daughter just started a job, and I was shocked when 
she's work, working remotely. And I was shocked when the company said, just use your personal computer. And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's, that's one of the things. How do you secure all these endpoints uh, effectively as you've made this, you know, digital transformation due to the pandemic has accelerated this whole workforce work, uh, working in a telework kind of environment. And Arvin, you know, as you were talking, a lot of the main theme I kind of pulled away from it is the whole embedding security into anything that we're doing with these different initiatives, right? And, and this accelerated move to the cloud is a great example. When you, when you think about that, um, you know, we're still seeing organizations have a bit of confusion as to kind of who is ultimately responsible for security when they're moving to the cloud, right? So they're working with the different CSPs, but there's this at times thought that, well, they're going to take on the security for us. And that's not really the case at all, is it? So I guess my ask to you is, what is it you're seeing in some of these conversations when it comes down to the security aspects of that shift to the cloud and ultimate responsibility and understanding of, you know, ultimately it's still back on the organization that is using the CSP that may introduce some security capability, but again, they need to still stay core of security responsibility. As you move up the value chain, the responsibility shifts lot more to the cloud service provider than to the consumer. Uh, in a cloud consumer who's doing an IaaS, for example, you know, pretty much except the platform being provided by the cloud security provider, everything else is the responsibility of the customer. Like you said, everything above that, the bare, bare metal that he gets, everything is the responsibility for the consumer. Once you get to the stage two, which is what I talked about as significantly growing post the uh, pandemic situation is the pass. Now in the pass, it's a joint, uh, joint ownership. Uh, it just can't be one person or the other because the platform also has middleware today. But ultimately what goes on that middleware and the data which is going on to that application belongs to the customer. So you can't really uh, you know, move away from uh, either the CSP or the consumer of who's responsible. I think what's more important now uh, is that both need to think similarly. I think what we have seen with our conversations with our CSPs as well, you know, we have go to market uh, with them. They're clearly understanding that we need to do more for security as cloud service providers. Similarly, the consumers are now understanding that my responsibility is still going to be higher because at the end of the day, they lose their data, they lose their application they're going to be out of business, not the cloud service provider. I think that understanding is slowly coming into play. And I think it's about joining hands and doing the best from both sides. And I think people like us, which are the system integrator uh, part of the world, we actually play the glue between the two of them because we understand what the native cloud capabilities can provide from a security standpoint and what the customer needs to look at. So we clearly look at it from three aspects. Governance, second is control, which is the deployment of, of controls, be it cloud native, which the CSP provides, or something that's coming from a third party, which is available in the marketplace. And third is the continuous compliance. So these three areas is what we help connect the dots between the cloud service provider and the cloud consumer. What are you seeing work as far as being able to deploy DevSecOps more effectively in organizations? Are there some uh, lessons learned that you would recommend others take advantage of? Yeah, very, very uh, uh, interesting area that you brought up, uh, Stan, right? Uh, DevSecOps, uh, I think, uh, is really something that, that's evolving today. 
we are able to use our experiences with with customers that we are helping transform and take that value and then deliver it to other customers i think what is definitely understood by most customers today is the left centricity that that we talk about uh, you know starting from the coder to understand security is more important and i think the tools and technology available in the market have also have also evolved uh, in terms of uh, you know providing that to the to the developer and what we look at it from a overall framework uh, you know the one that you were talking about is to look at threat modeling build the security at the design stage of the development itself now that defines what my entire chain will look like so you build in the design the threat model then you build in the sast and das tools which actually define and and tell you what is wrong with the code you know with static analysis and then eventually with dynamic analysis and what we've also kind of incorporated which i think is is value for customers is ultimately this is all running underneath an infrastructure so there is mechanism needed to also look at the operational efficiency and security risk of that infrastructure so you kind of kind of blend both the application security and the infrastructure security and bring it into a soc platform the integrated view of application vulnerability and and the level of patching that's been done there and the infrastructure level and the potential risks that this platform has into your sock which then becomes a single pane of glass view and then we can bring in technologies like orchestration automation which helps you to plug and remediate that gap so i think it's a it's a whole combination of people process and technology it's a cliched statement but i think it's it's much more valid today in a devsecops uh, arena than than ever before so the advantage of having a threat modeling approach up front is you have specific risks and threat vectors your attack vectors you're concerned about for that application that can then drive the requirements and the amount of rigor if you have a low risk app based on the threat model you may not have as as rigorous a set of assurance activities associated with that application versus a financial externally facing application that is going to be more exposed and you're worried about you may not ramp it up um, and I think that the uh, the fact that you have that whole journey sort of laid out as far as not only the upfront and the design, but also post-production linked with the SOC is a great way of sort of completing that circle. As you said, Arvin, if you, if you talked, if we had a conversation with you a year ago, you probably wouldn't have had a detail relative to the SEC portion of DevOps, right? When you think about um, another area, that I think is, is, is starting to make some very positive traction. I think industry and some different uh, verticals are, are, are kind of emphasizing the need and it's around specifically product security. And so, you know, the importance of cyber securing a product is, is again, having relevance. The key aspect and attribute behind it from a consumer is really about trust and safety at the end of the day. When you look at that and you think about, you know, medical devices and all these different connected devices and a lot of things that we're seeing out there now where um, I think, you know, as an example, in marketplace, you've seen a lot more open roles focusing on product security come to fruition, which is great. But what are you seeing in the different client engagements you have around product security, specific more so to the IoT side of the equation? It's a conversation which is raging in the manufacturing sector. Uh, you know, from our perspective, we typically are, are in three uh, domains, right? The connected health, 
connected automobiles and connected factories and and each one has its own uh, uniqueness because the protocol these legacy platforms use is different for different industries so the technologies that are available in the market also need to evolve to keep pace with the uh, you know newer ones that are being introduced as well as the legacy systems that are there i think broadly what we look at from from an iot perspective right industry 4.0 and an iot uh, ot security perspective the fundamental thing is visibility you can't protect if you can't see so you've got to have technologies and tools that are able to see what is happening in the systems whether it's a plc in a factory or a sensor sitting in an automobile transmitting something back to a cloud uh, in in a car that is there now that activity has to be seen and that's where a lot of tools today are available which are focused on the activities that are happening and secondly you also need to look at the vulnerabilities of those tools so any software intrinsically has vulnerability fix that vulnerability and also put controls in place that it has that cyber resilience even when that fix is clearly happening and once we have that visibility if there is an attack that's happening how do i disconnect only a portion of my ot or an iot system so that my entire industry does not collapse and that is where the network segregation also plays a role so there is a significant focus on device security but at the same time they are all connected pieces and so the network segregation becomes an important aspect we look at it from what we call as the edge to the cloud security framework the device both internally within the device if i have an application that can run within the device i can actually secure the device and what can run or what cannot run what we call as the application control mechanisms secondly if they can't run anything in the device we at least have a mechanism of authenticating that it is a genuine one we don't want a four feeted uh, you know uh, medical equipment connected to a patient then the network which is the connected part and eventually most of these systems have controllers that are outside especially if you look at telematics and and automobiles connected automobiles they have a controller sitting in the cloud so i need to protect that as well because if i take the controller and and mess with that it's going to you know destroy 20000 a lakh devices at the same time when we look at an iot ot security it's a whole string of things that we need to be looked at but primarily as you said it is about the device per se to start with what additionally we want to focus on and i think we are also seeing that in the market today the soc has traditionally been focused on only it risk management today it is about bringing that bridge bridging the gap between ot and it and having a single pane of glass view both for your ot systems and it systems i think the technology is evolving today we are at a stage where we are working with some of the technology partners to bring this together and create that value we are not there as yet but as you rightly said this is coming mainstream becoming mainstream uh, in a very very fast way and we've got to keep pace with that and eventually i think we will reach there you you bring up an issue as far as again that fusion within the sock of it and ot and i'm just wondering organizationally if you think about organizations that have these different security functions you have the corporate or physical security you have uh, the classic it security responsibilities that has also morphed down to business information security officers as they try to get it closer to the business and then we have this role of product security officer uh are you seeing as far as how they're organizing those different roles emerging into you know reporting up to a single individual that has like a CSO title 
um, or are they are they keeping to their swim lanes? I, I think uh, good point, Stan. I think what we are seeing today, uh, customers are also coming up with new roles, right? The chief digital officer is, is a role that's, that's evolving in most organizations today. What we're also seeing is a chief risk officer role. You know, it's not really a CISO or a CSO. It's a chief risk officer role. And that chief mm. risk officer kind of blends or merges all of these together. In terms of minimizing the risk for the organization, I think all these teams stand need to work together. In my view, it's not just a boardroom problem. The security guard at the gate who lets people inside to the CEO of the organization has to think security. And I think they'll have to create these uh, kind of cross-functional teams which understand the importance of security. And you talked about identity management stand. That's the fundamental baseline for any organization. I need to know who you are and what you are accessing for what purpose. If you are able to bring that into the various organization, it's not there as yet. And I completely agree with you. A lot of the organization today operate in silos. And I had a conversation with one of the uh, CSOs where identity management offices with the application team. I asked him, you're the CISO of the company. How can identity management be there? He said, I joined later. That's the way the organization was. And I am I'm not supposed to disrupt what's working, right? So it, it scared me when the CISO said identity management is not with him, right? So uh, a tough question to answer. I don't have a straightforward answer to you. How do you bring all that together? I think it's about the vision of the organization top down and the realization for every individual working in the organization that securing the organization is their responsibility and a bottoms up approach and a constant messaging through the corporate security teams of that enterprise uh, to the various people on how best to understand the various risks, create awareness so that you minimize the risk for the entire organization. You know, one of the things is we're talking across multiple different aspects of cyber and the kind of tie into individual verticals that you've had so much exposure to, Arvind, is a frame of thinking that we've been discussing and had previous conversations, um, which is all around cyber resilience. And it's basically one of the areas that's really, again, had this uh, shift from traditional thinking of we need to do all these different things in cybersecurity. Well, sure. Yeah, that's kind of the hygiene, right? The basic foundational elements. No question. Those still need to be applied. But this pivot to more of a cyber resilient type of mindset approach doesn't matter necessarily what vertical you're in. It's just ensuring that you keep the business operating or whatever occurs is minimized to the best possible. I'm interested to see, you know, from your perspective and all the different conversations across multiple verticals globally, what you're seeing that theme of cyber resilience is it something as well that you're hearing a lot of and conversing a lot of with different clients. One thing is for sure, there are companies who have been attacked and companies who don't know they've been attacked. That's the reality of the situation. And I think it's a question of accepting the reality that, that you are exposed. It's only a question of time. So when it does really happen, how do I bounce back faster? And as you said, you know, keep the engine running. I think that's where the uh, real essence of understanding the end-to-end the -end framework of security really comes into play. You fundamentally need to have a BCP plan. You've got to have controls deployed in the right places. Identify what investment to make where. I don't want to secure... 25 locks for a receptionist PC, which has no value. I need to look at where I need to make that investment. That's the second thing. And third is creating this 
integrated uh, you know framework of of people right cross functional teams from hr to finance to to all the people you know it's not just a ceso's problem to solve and get cyber resiliency it has to be everybody when you go through something and and we as an organization went through it as well and what was really appreciated by the customers is you've gone through it and come out and that shows that you have the ability to bounce back from what you were what you went through and and that learning is is being passed on to all our customers today and and very big names have have gone through this it service providers manufacturing companies everybody has gone through this phase of and especially with the pandemic today there are medical companies which is the pharma companies were creating the the drugs which is the vaccines they are the targets today and and it, it's gone beyond Uh, IT and business, right? It's really gone personal today, and and I think that is where it's important that that people understand that. But I definitely believe, Rob, over a period of time, I think companies have understood that I will be at risk and I will be taken down at some point in time. What measures can I put in place so that I return back as fast as possible and keep running? And I think you know one of the things as you just responded that really resonated for me is. organizational organizational resiliency and ultimately what you were describing is to me at least it's a culture right you have to get yeah, them to absolutely. think culturally here's how we're going to be resilient no matter what function in the business you serve let's all get on the same page and ensure that we're 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 focused on how we can actually be resilient to keep the business operating so very insightful arvin we really appreciate having you on very much across multiple areas of cyber multiple verticals very much a wealth of knowledge and appreciate your time today thanks rob pleasure being with you and stan thanks arvin thanks for listening to the reimagining cyber podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode if you would like to have us cover a specific topic of interest feel free to reach out to us and you can find out how in the show notes and don't forget to subscribe this podcast was brought to you by cyberes a microfocused line of business Our mission is to deliver cyber resilience by engaging people, process and technology to protect, detect and evolve.